Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Favelle, and today is August 11th, 2023. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Guess what, everybody? It's a Friday and it's a donut day, I think. Woo-hoo. Right? Yay, oh, there's, there's, there, there's Kevin Combs, there's Nicole Thomas, and uh, last but not least, Eric Thornton. Are you there, Eric? I'm here. I was looking for my donut. Excellent. It is WASD recap day. Kevin, did you bring in donuts today? No, I was waiting for you. You said you're coming uh, in late. And why else would you be coming in late except for bringing donuts to everybody? I'm sorry, everybody. And I'm sorry to the <laughs> listeners. No donuts today, but we are going to talk about the WASD report mm. and what they did in this highly anticipated August WASD. A lot of questions about corn and soybean yields, a lot of questions about uh, carrion, maybe, and a lot of questions about export demand. What would they do? Well, let's get right into it and start with Nicole. Nicole, talk to us about uh, corn and soybeans. And you were a little excited when I talked to you earlier, so I, I'm, I'm curious to what you're going to say today. Yes, I am very excited, always, because these are agricultural markets. And nothing makes me feel more enthusiastic than WASD days. That was believable, wasn't it? It was very was believable. It good job? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm working on it. Well, last month you were talking about how you you, you were just tired of giving bad news. So yes, uh, yes, is yes. Today, one of those days. No, you know what? Not necessarily. Um, actually, today's WASD was relatively benign. A few things that I think we're going to have to fine tune along the way. But uh, for the most part, as you uh, probably saw with the market's reaction today, pretty, pretty calm. No, no crazy uh, 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 multiple uh, cents up day or days. So, you know, today was pretty cool. Um, So let's start with corn. Um, and, and really, I think to a great degree, a lot of what could be said about the lack of reaction in the market is the market is probably more or less aware of a lot of the changes that were made today. So let's start with corn. Uh, everyone's trying to get a handle on this yield weather, uh, has, has been less than ideal. I'll say that Eric and I talk all the time. It just doesn't feel as bad this year as it did last year, but I don't know. According to crop progress reports, maybe a little different, but we'll see. It's getting better though, isn't it? I do believe it's getting better, but we got it. Sometimes you got to take a few steps back before you go forward. And I would say that may be the case with (laughs) yield in this report where we actually saw a decline. We were at 177 and a half last month. This month we are at 175.1. But as we've been discussing the podcast, webinars, client calls, et cetera. Still not all that alarming because our balance sheet looks to improve considerably in 2023-24. And that is still present in in this balance sheet. As far as consumption is concerned, that's the thing I would watch, particularly for as we wrap up the current marketing year. And of most interest to me, uh, and and what may ultimately become offsetting changes uh, are the categories of feed and residual and exports. Uh, now, in the case of exports, USDA did lower that a bit, 
if I'm looking at numbers, uh, the, the cumulative numbers we have thus far, and we're pretty close to the end of the marketing year at this point, so only a few more weeks to go. Uh, but it, that export number may still be a little high, a 1.625. Mm. Uh, so we, we may see that revised lower in future reports. Uh, but the more concerning one for me is the feed category. So right. um, no changes there. We're still at $5.425 billion, according to USDA. The reason why I struggle with this is if we look at the first three months of this marketing year's uh, corn for feed usage, versus the first three quarters of 21-22, we were only down about 2.6% year over year. There's one more quarter to go. We don't have official numbers for for Q4 of, of the 22-23 marketing year. Uh, but that also tends to be the weakest uh, quarter for feed demand anyway. So if you're if you're looking at just a simple, you know, uh, two and, and a half percent decline year over year, uh, that would give you a number a little closer to 5.6 billion bushels for that feed number. So uh, keep that in the back of your mind for that grain stocks report next month mm-hmm. uh, may may be surprising, but not quite surprising. Uh, and hopefully there's enough weakness in the export category to offset uh, most of that. So minimal impact in the 23-24. And speaking of 23-24 in the domest- on the domestic side of things, still looking pretty good. 2.2 billion bushels uh, of ending stock still seems to be pretty bearish relative to consumption that is anticipated to grow. Uh, but overall, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too concerned about anything there. And, and I think the scenario remains that things do look, you know, reasonably bearish directly as it relates to corn in the domestic market. Uh, just one quick comment on the global front, the ending stocks projection for 23, 24 was reduced by 3 million tons and is now reflecting what I believe is the result of less than ideal weather in China. Uh, they actually reduced Chinese production of corn by 3 million tons to 277. Uh, they've dealt with a lot of flooding over there, pretty significant flooding. And the uh, idea is that this, you know, if it doesn't necessarily impact acreage, so to speak, then it, it could ultimately lower that yield uh, for their production. Uh, so something to watch. But again, Things still look pretty good, including the prospect for pretty uh, large crops in South America for 23, 24. And we've even seen some of the, the uh, sources down there suggest that, you know, reiterating that they anticipate this next year to be a good year for, for corn production. So that that was the scenario for, for corn. No biggies there. For for soy and soybeans, your markets were down. What the heck went on? Is that driven by what they uh, put out today? That's driven by what they put out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see how all that plays out. Now, one of the big questions I think is the ending stocks number for twenty two twenty three. I tend to land in the camp that that number is going to come down, not go up. So to see us jump up by about uh, 5 million bushels to 260 million, I'm not quite sure. Now, a few things could change here. Number one, with the export number, uh, they left that at 1.98. Again, looking at at cumulative shipments thus far, that's probably a little closer to 1.89. Also recognizing that part of what uh, helped this scenario 
uh, additional imports. But the crush number, the crush number is the one that I'm wondering about. Now, it all comes down to how strong crush is uh, or was for uh, July and for August. Um, and to put it in perspective, thus far in 22-23, monthly crush has averaged about 185.8 million bushels per month. And if we look at now, that's, you know, obviously through stronger periods of crush this time of year is, is maintenance season. Uh, so you tend to see the crush uh, monthly crush number come down. Uh, but even if we look at the last quarter of crush in 21-22, we averaged 185 million bushels per month. And if we look at, you know, what we need to average here uh, for the remainder of this marketing year, uh, we need to do about 181 to hit that 2.22 billion number. So I might suggest that that number is uh, a little higher than what's showing up there now. And depending on whatever offset comes from the export side of things, and again, if they boost imports additionally, that's going to determine what that carry-in is. And at this point, I would say you're looking at anything from as low as uh, 240, maybe 235 million, up to 260, maybe 265. So there's still some some questions to be answered as far as that's concerned. But looking forward to the 23-24 uh, marketing year. Uh, we got that reduction in a, uh, in yield. Uh, USDA uh, took it down to 50.9 bushels per acre from 52 bushels per acre. 52 was probably always a bit ambitious, and we've we've talked about that in past podcasts. Um, but the weather has has been better here. Uh, than than even what was expected for the last couple of weeks. It was supposed to be really hot, really dry, and along the way, uh, we got some rain worked in into those forecasts, and some of the drier uh, spots have have received some rain right as these beans are are pod setting, which uh, starts to build that yield. So, if the weather is less ominous uh, for the remainder of the production season. Something between 50 and 51 bushels per acre uh, seems reasonable. And I think uh, USDA is just being being cautious or, or, you know, not trying to be too, too aggressive when it comes to that yield reduction. Nonetheless, that alone and, and with some offsetting reduction in the export category, took ending stocks for, for the 23-24 uh, year down to 245 million bushels. So getting more in line with kind of what we've been talking about, that we even talked about that on the web, last month's webinar, that that number could be closer to 250 million bushels. And here we are uh, as a result of that uh, yield reduction. Uh, and then from a global standpoint, you know, not too much going on there. Uh, the one thing I'm still wondering about USDA just will not reduce that Argentinian production number. We still sit at 25 million tons. Every, just about every other outlet, including those within Argentina, have that number closer to 20 million. So the only thing I can guess here is that USDA wants to kind of slow walk that reduction in global stocks to not have uh to not uh have too much in the way of change for the 23 24 crop just yet 
uh, and maybe we'll do so once they feel a little more comfortable uh, with the U.S. production and any additional uh, hits to ending stocks that come from the U.S. Uh, before um, changing uh, that 22-23 number and lowering the carry-in for 23-24. Otherwise, I'm just utterly confused with why we won't reduce that number when everything else points that direction and, and we're you know, we're at harvest time, beyond harvest time uh, for those beans down there. So we'll see what happens there. And then lastly, as it relates to oil. Um, so this is really where things get interesting. For one, USDA rightfully updated that domestic biofuel consumption, but they blew past uh, where it was at 11.6, now at 11.7 billion pounds. And uh, folks, I actually can't disagree with that. As we went through this period in April, remember those soybean oil futures completely collapsed and everybody's pretty excited. Like, yeah, this is the way we're going to go. We can lower, lower our, uh, our, our potential floors. And if it's this good now, maybe it'll even get sub 40 cents by the time we get into Q4 this year. Well, a few folks were paying attention to that, including renewable diesel and biofuel production in general. And that collapse in prices, along with fairly weak basis values at that point, because they weren't doing a lot of buying, led to uh, an improvement in margins so that even with weak crude oil and heating oil prices, it became more profitable for them to, to crank it up. And they did, and they still are. Uh, we got to May and got a billion pounds of soybean oil usage for biofuel production. So to hit that 11.6 number of last month, we would need only do a billion pounds of usage per month for the remainder of the year. Uh, and that is very, very plausible. So at this point, all in all, led to um, an increase in consumption there. Food consumption continues to be strong. Folks uh, doing more uh, consuming at quick service restaurants, the that's, they're going to be big users of soy and canola oil, uh, and accordingly, not expecting that number to weaken too much. So, looks like the carry-in for 23-24 is going to remain sub 2 billion pounds, and accordingly, now we got to really kind of focus in on what the demand outlook is for the upcoming year, and whether or not we have a shot at getting back to 2 billion pounds is now a bit questionable for 23-24. Uh, unless we get extreme weakness in the export category, because as it stands now, the growth for biofuel seems uh, wholly reasonable. And the projection as it stands today is for food, seed, uh, food feed and other industrial usage to decline in 23-24. So if we get some unforeseen strength there as well, we're going to see those ending stocks come under pressure. So... That's where, where we are today. Excellent. Thank you. Great recap, Nicole. Let's shift over to Eric and wheat. Uh, that market was down today, too. Eric, what did they do? Yeah, yeah, it was down. And before you know, we get into what changed, I will say, uh, as a moment to just uh, maybe toot my own horn or you know, I don't want to let me get my head too big, but we participate in uh, <laughs> Bloomberg's pre-WASDI report trade estimates. And, and my submission was for the U.S. balance sheet to have 615 million bushels in ending stocks, today's report. 
615 million bushels in ending stocks. Wow. Whoa. Awesome. And on the global balance sheet, I submitted 265 million metric tons in ending stocks. And today's report, 265 million metric Man, tons. Man, I'll tell two you, for two, two for two. Today. And you know what? You're going to be three for so. three because the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this coming year. Well, so there hey, you go. I won't go as far <laughs> to say that, you know, but... Uh, I can at least tell you as to why I submitted those Excellent. numbers and I think why USDA got to those numbers. So we saw a little bit of shakeup uh, to production, but ultimately really netted out just with a small 5 million bushel reduction to 1.73 billion or 1.734 billion bushels, a little bit of pullback in the total wheat yield, uh, now down to 45.8. But we did eke out a little bit more in the way of planted and harvested acres, both up 200,000 acres respectively. So again, um, some changes to yield, to acreage, uh, but all in all, total production netted out the same. But but there were some things to note within the individual classes that brought up that per, those production changes. And I um, felt that going into today's report, we'd probably see an upward revision to the winter wheat crops. Again, we've been getting really good rain since May. And I've said this many times, but while it was too late to totally reverse the condition of that crop, there there was still a little bit of upside for some areas and certain uh, regions throughout the southern plains that were able to eke out a little bit better production numbers now that were pretty much uh, all the way through winter wheat harvest. So um, soft red winter wheat in particular saw a nice jump um, up 22 million bushels. Uh, but on the other side, uh, that was fully offset by the hard red spring wheat crop in the northern plains with a fairly sizable reduction, 441 million bushels, now down to 413 million bushels. Again, kind of expected that. Um, it's been a little bit more unfavorable in the northern plains, in particular Montana and North Dakota, where you see a lot of that spring wheat grown. They've been pretty dry, uh, more so than the rest of the Corn Belt or grain belt basically since uh, early June. So again, not uh, a disaster like 2021 up there, but certainly a slightly below average yield and, and USDA acknowledged that today. So really, as I look forward, I do not see a ton of changes whatsoever to production here on out. I think we are pretty much set in stone for this crop here and working with a 1.734 billion bushel crop to work with for this year's balance sheet. So the other sides uh, or other changes we saw, again, not not too shocking, was a lowering of exports by 25 million bushels down to now 700 million. We've been well underperforming on our sales. And prior to last week, we were down 32% versus a year ago. And last year's exports at 759 million bushels was a 50-year low. So goes to show you how uncompetitive U.S. wheat prices have been, uh, really in comparison to Russia and some other countries that are uh, able to get wheat out to the market cheaper. So that's ex that was expected. You know, with the recent pullback in prices, we've actually seen uh, a decent amount of sales in the last seven days. So we actually hit a one-year high at 22 million bushels for new sales. So if that does continue, at least at that pace, I think the 700 is a fair target. But if you were to ask me, I think that number still has downward potential 
as we move through the rest of this crap here. But obviously we'll see. Again, I think it was certainly justified given how sluggish we've seen for sales. And then a little bit of a pullback in, in food use or food demand, kind of reflective of the uh, flour milling results as of August 1st being some 2% behind last year. So again, justified, reasonable. You factor all that out, a little bit lost the production, but more than offset by lower demand. And there we are getting to 615 million bushels in stock. So we're back up into the low 600 million bushel range. Again, not a huge change, but again, at least changes that are moving in the right direction or, or offering us a, a little bit of a recovery here and hopefully on the trend up longer term. And on the global balance sheet, um, while there was changes and I did again predict or hit their projected ending stocks number, I still think that there is many changes that lie ahead that they could have done earlier being the USDA, kind of to Nicole's comment on why they won't move Argentina's production lower. I'm sitting here looking at why they won't move India's wheat production lower from 113.5 million metric tons. If you recall a couple months ago, I think back in the May WASD, they actually raised their production up to that level, which would be a record crop from them. And I think that they're overstated with that number by some five to eight million metric tons. So I, I definitely see downward revision there. You know, I definitely think they were fine and, and rightfully so to reduce China's production by three million metric tons. Again, there's been some inconsistent weather, flooding, rains, et cetera, as of recent. So they lowered uh, China and the EU each by three million metric tons. Again, EU is also a little bit too dry uh, earlier this spring, a little bit unfavorable. So not surprising there. And then the same thing to Canada, down 2 million metric tons to now 33 million metric tons. Again, not surprising uh, that prairies have been pretty dry, dealing with drought and stress. There could be a little bit more downside for, for the Canadian crop too. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, and then lastly, they didn't adjust yet Australian wheat production kept it flat at 29 million metric tons. And I know that there's obviously fewer acres there because they've had three years of bumper crops, but dryness has been reported there now for a few weeks. And that is only expected to continue with El Nino here lingering and expected to strengthen. So I think their crop, you know, definitely may struggle to reach the, the upper 20 million metric ton range and maybe even as I see it now, probably seeing somewhere around 25 million metric tons. So again, production did fall down 4 million metric tons. The 793 would still be a record global production up a few million metric tons versus last year. But I do see that trending lower as we keep moving through the rest of this uh, calendar year. And thus, I do think our stocks level will probably also be trimming lower than 265. So uh, again, Hit the number on the global sheet, but I'm I'm still questioning, you know, and have a lower bias moving forward for both production and stocks. But on a positive note to end this one, the Ukrainian crop uh, was revised higher by three and a half million metric tons, all the way up to 21 million metric tons. So again, very impressive. Still, the uh, production numbers, those farmers in that country are able to get out with everything going on around them, and that was at least encouraging. And I think again, a rightful change. So. Really uh, not too much in the way of shakeups. Again, like you mentioned, market prices were moving lower. That was kind of the trend moving ahead of this report. And, you know, I don't foresee that uh, 
to really change, I think we'll kind of continue to grind lower and open up a window for, for coverage. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. Great recap. And hey, everybody out there, if you're not talking to Eric about wheat and his expertise there, obviously, he's just showing you that uh, he kind of knows what he's talking about and does a great job with uh, current clients on strategies for wheat and navigating through that volatile market. So if you're not talking to Eric, please do. Uh, let's shift over to sugar and Kevin. Kevin, holy carry in. Yeah, how about that? That's what I got. It's nice uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, little bit of a surprise there. Yeah, you'd normally this time of year, we're sitting there August Wasty. It should be all about thinking about the next crop. And, you know, we're just a couple months away from the start of the crop year. And why would you want to be talking about 22, 23? But, you know, that's really where the big changes were. So 1980s. <laughs> I don't know about 80s, but uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, surprisingly, you know, started looking through the numbers this month and, uh you know, with the way the program's been run and, and whatnot, you have to, you know, kind of adjust supply as the year goes on. And USDA's, you know, kind of hamstrung on increasing quotas until April, which, you know, we did see the 125,000 ton increase back uh, shortly thereafter this year. But now, you know, some of their numbers and some of the things they've been doing, like starting off high tier imports at a very low number at the beginning of the year and then ratcheting it up as we go. Well, it's been ratcheted up and ratcheted up and ratcheted up. And uh, this month they had to, you know, increase that another 40,000 tons to where we're now at 390, the same uh, figure we ended the 2022 campaign with. Look at where they are for 23, 24, you know, they're still at 175 and they, you know, did re raise that again this month. But anyway, it just goes to show you how under the current program and how things are being run with suspension agreements with Mexico, et cetera, and then having, you know, some production issues, imports are just going to continue to be the uh, highlight that we're looking at month after month. And one other change, you know, last month, USDA drastically cut other program imports and went down and cut it in half from 250 down to 125. Well, this month, they saw uh, big imports in July and thus ended up raising other program imports 75,000 tons. So, um, and then Mexico, uh, they had cut Mexico quite a bit based on availability of sugar as Mexico's crop came in, you know, well below uh, expectations. And uh, so, based on limited supplies out of Mexico, they cut Mexico. Well, this month, they rebounded. Uh, imports from Mexico, 43,000 tons as, uh, you know, a flood of imports are moving into Mexico's market and uh, USDA raised their imports from 75,000 tons up to 200,000 tons. And, you know, I'm hearing 150,000 tons of imports have already made it into Mexico and uh, it may not all make it this year, but, uh, you know, sources down there in the trade or expecting maybe another 150,000 tons to already be in route or booked to come into Mexico. So some of that may not make it in by uh, end of September, but uh, anyway, supplies there are, are finding a way as, you know, refined prices in Mexico have jumped uh, up into the mid 70 cent per pound range. So easily uh, able to pay a tier two duty of $360, find plenty of opportunity to make money with the world market much, much, much lower. So the other thing I saw 22, 23, of course, that's interesting is USDA lowered 
food use deliveries last month by 75,000 tons, and they followed that up with another 25,000 ton reduction this month. So uh, when you look at the SMD report and deliveries, year to date, we are showing deliveries uh, down 1% for in the domestic industry, including re-exports. And when you look at supplies of sugar available, you know, supplies for 22-23 are showing up a lot higher than what uh, supplies are for 21-22. Uh, USDA has kind of cited a couple reasons why maybe, you know, we see uh, deliveries rebound in the third quarter. And also, basically, all these high-tier imports could be a sign that there are more direct-to-consumption imports taking place. So they're, they're not cutting the deliveries as much as they might otherwise. But uh, the SMD report is showing a 1% year-over-year decline. So deliveries is certainly going to be a number we're watching the next uh, few months uh, to you know, see how, uh, how that shakes out. But you, you could make an argument that uh, food use deliveries need to be cut even lower than they are. Uh, right now, they're basically showing a 105,000-ton increase or 0.8%. If you go back to pre-COVID, you know, we were talking about a half a percent, quarter of a percent growth. So uh, very possible we see that uh, come down. Looking at 2324, of course, uh, Mike, you came into my office and you said, boy, am I missing something? What's going on? Well, That's that right. difference was beginning stocks because when you look at all the adjustments to 2324, the changes were pretty minimal. We did, as we've been expecting, see an increase in beet production, maybe not quite what we expect to be at the end of the day, but you know, moving in that direction. Uh, beet crop was raised 51,000 tons to 5.073 million tons. And same thing on cane. You know, we've been talking about concerns with dryness in Louisiana, put that on top of the uh, uh, freeze damage we had this winter, kind of setting the start of the crop back as well. And, uh, you know, we're not expecting uh, great yields in Louisiana. So uh, USDA lowered U Louisiana production 38,000 tons. And then equal concern, not that it has a big impact on demand, but uh, Texas uh, production is now being estimated lower, uh, 9,000 tons lower, down to only 42,000 tons. So wow. yeah, lower area as a result of... Uh, Available water supplies and dryness in general, uh, just really decimating uh, Texas production. Likewise, on the import side, we did see numerous changes. Uh, USDA had cut other program imports for 23-24, just like they did 22-23. And so basically, they just left that number matching at 200,000 tons, raised it up 75,000 tons. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, they inching along the high tier imports, raising that 10,000 tons to 175, still way below the 390 that we ended up for 2223. And net net, you got uh, temporarily ending stocks up 223,000 tons, up to 1.942 million tons, representing a stocks to use ratio of 15.2%. But uh, as you have all uh, sure know, what happens in September, they will reset it to 13.5%. And, yeah. uh, you know, if all things stayed equal on here, you know, Mexico is going to lose, you know, basically yeah. 200 and 
23,000 tons to balance that market out and uh, drop their imports. But I'm sure we'll see a host of other changes uh, before that happens. So uh, stay tuned for September. Great. Thank you, Kevin. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Thank you to Nicole, Eric, and Kevin for your great recap. Uh, For you IQ subscribers, there's a lot of cool new features coming up that we'll be talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the IQ platform, reach out to us. It's full of a lot of great analysis and intel. Uh, Just reach out to us. We'll put you on a test drive. You won't look back. We're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute, moment with your friends and family. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.